Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. So one of the things that's become very common in my interactions with students and followers is the notion of out-of-state investing. Now, in fairness, I don't invest out-of-state. I do invest out-of-area. My market is two and a half hours away. Uh, I have never self-managed, but technically not out-of-state. Casey from Brick by Brick Wealth is lucky enough to live in Memphis, uh, where she invests as well. But we both interact with folks that are looking at out-of-state investing. So I thought we should play a game of ping pong where we go, you go, I go, and, and talk about things that we recommend when people are looking out of state. Casey, as the guest, you get to go first. Why, thanks, Michael. So um, almost all of my students are out-of-state investors. There's a slight few that invest near them, but usually the people that I help are, live in high-cost areas and investing near them is not an option. So I have really learned over the past three years how to identify and help people that are looking for an out-of-state rental market. And how do you do that from afar when you've never been there? And, you know, we have just analysis paralysis and just overwhelmed with information with the internet. And you have an entire country of 50 states. And how do you narrow it down? You know, so... There's a few different criteria that I teach and we can ping pong, um, like you said. So one of my first and the most, really, this one is a, a must have, in my opinion, is that there must be properties available for sale, single family, under $200,000, or it's just not going to work out. There's not going to be cash flow. So I have some students say, oh, Casey, I want to invest in Austin, Texas, you know, and my mom lives there or it's booming and all that. And I'm like, okay, let's head on over to realtor.com and let's type in max purchase price, $200,000. And let's see if there's some possibility. And there's like three houses for sale, you know? So it's like that right there just wipes out that whole area as potential because I'm, I have still been yet for anyone to prove me wrong that I cannot find a property that cash flows that's over $200,000 with a tradition. Obviously, if you put all cash, it's going to cash flow. Okay. So I'm talking traditional 20, 25% down with today's rates. I still haven't found anything anywhere. Let me know, you guys, in the comments. I read them, you know, if you can, if you know of any areas, but that actually yeah. ha can cash flow with a purchase price over 200. So for me, that's a must have number one criteria. Yeah. Again, I've, I've seen a lot of people do out of state investing well. All right, Millennial Mike is on the channel, does it uh, as others. But when I when I think about going out of state or even out of area, I just think about the my first five years and, and all the risks that I had. So the first thing I look for is, you know, are are there boots on the ground that are going to tell me the truth? Right now, is it somebody I'm paying? Maybe there's a great real estate agent. Maybe there's a, 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 a inspector. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's a family friend. Maybe it's somebody you went to college with. Maybe it's your old best friend from grade school. I don't know. But there needs to me, there has to be somebody on the ground that will tell you bad news. Because in real estate investing 
like pretty much all sales that I've been involved with. Bad news never gets better with age. It just always gets worse and worse and worse. So that's the oh, that's the thing that I always look for first is do I personally have a network or infrastructure or can I build a relationship with someone that will tell me the truth? And I got to tell you, when you're paying people, and this is part of the reason I fired, you know, I fired the first five property managers. I think three of them were for versions of telling me half truths. They told me the most rosy way you could, where in reality it was a shitstorm going on. Um, yeah. So that's the thing that I always go back to first is like, who's going to tell me the truth? Yeah, I agree with you. That's really important once you've kind of narrowed down a market. And and some people, I'll say like, maybe your area is not landlord friendly or maybe, you know, whatever. Maybe some other criteria um, you don't meet. But if you do have that friend or a family member that is a boots on the ground person that can help you in case of emergency or can help with some other things, that definitely will raise that location to the top of the list, like 100%. And when I, when I teach this, I start off with a home field advantage. Like that's the first question I ask to narrow down, you know, narrow like down that. the 50 states. First question, home, what's your home field advantage? Did you go to college somewhere? Do you have a friend or family member that lives there? Do you love a certain football team when you go to games all the time out there? Any area you're familiar with or have a connection there that you, and I have students that travel to certain states all the time. I'm like, well, why isn't that on your list? Like, yeah, exactly. that's a great investment, you know, major city. Why is, why did you not mention that? You know, so having that connection will really help narrow things down and it's super important. And if you don't have someone there, you're going and you really want to build, um, build a, like a community there and, and, you know, be an investor and be prominent in that area, you're going to have to form those relationships. And it will mean talking to multiple people. And I know no one wants to get on the phone, but you have to talk to multiple property managers because there'll be one property manager that will say, this area is great. And if all you did was listen to the one property manager, and if you would have talked to several more, they would have all said that area sucks. Shoot, why'd you do that? And on the other hand, if you only talk to one and they say it's really bad, but maybe that's just their biased opinion. You talk to several more and they all say it's great. Maybe you just missed out on a great opportunity. So yeah, getting feedback from everyone is really important. Um, the other one that I think is important is property taxes. Mm. And for me, um, the property tax rate um, is really important because even if you own your property free and clear, one day you will own it pro probably free and clear, you're still going to be paying property taxes. If you were to take a $400,000 home in Texas, Versus a $400,000 home in Colorado, Texas has very high property taxes. Colorado has very low property taxes. Those mortgage payments are going to be night and day difference for the exact same property purchase price. So if we're in it to make money and we want to cash flow, the lower the property taxes, the more we're going to cash flow for the same purchase price somewhere else. I don't always make that be a huge factor, but it's definitely one you need to know. You need to know what the property tax rate is. And then on a sublet of that is how often are the property taxes reassessed? You know, are you getting a new bill every year, like in Texas, yeah. or you get one every four years, like in Tennessee? Nice to know that I'm going to have the same property tax bill for a certain period of time. It's not a must have, but it's a, it's a should know sort of thing. I love that one. And, and uh, if people read my book, One Rental at a Time, you'll know that Olivia and I considered Texas uh, Dallas. 
uh, San Antonio and one other city. And the reason we didn't pull the trigger was property taxes and not necessarily the rate, but it was the fact that it would get reassessed every year. And I'm like, now, wait a second. So we increase rents, blah, 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 get more cash flow. And then, you know, some government bureaucracy comes in and takes it all away. No, thank you. Uh, that was a, that was a, I'm really glad we made that decision, you know, years ago, not to go there because of that. Cause I have people there now that have been in Texas for seven, eight years and their cash flow is gone because oh, yeah. of property taxes. It's gone up yeah. a lot the last two years. So that's a big one. Um, the next one for me, kind of thinking about out-of-state investing is, um, now this again is not a requirement, but I do like to see population growth, mm-hmm. right? Now, I know there's plenty of people like a buddy of mine I talked about earlier, Millennium Mike, investing Gary, Indiana, which it might be turning around given people are leaving Illinois uh, or Chicago. Um, but I think it, the population's been trending negative for a decade or more. So it can work. But I do like looking for population growth. Um, it just means it's a vibrant city. There be when you have when you have population growth. For me, it means you could see regentrification, right? It means older part of towns could be revitalized. If population is going down, it means the older parts of town are dead. Um, so I like population growth. Yeah, that's really important. And an easy way to kind of figure that out, or at least figure out what future population growth is going to be besides just looking at history, because, you know, we're buying today. We didn't buy yesterday. We're buying today for tomorrow. So what's tomorrow's population growth going to be <clears throat> is to look to see what businesses are coming in. Are there any headquarters that are strong, that are doing well? Are you seeing in the news and read the local the local newspapers and online news there? What new business is coming to town? Because that's what's going to create jobs. And if you've got a new Fortune 500 company relocating to that area, maybe that population growth was just kind of whatever before. That's really going to increase jobs. That's going to increase people wanting to move there, desirability and all those things. So if you have businesses wanting to move there, that's a really good sign that that local economy is stable and it's growing. And, you know, having multiple job sources, you know, multiple types of employment, not like just a college or just a hospital, but having different types. Um, I think is is really important too. We wouldn't want to be in a situation where a whole industry goes out of business and then we're left with a ghost town, what? you know, because any property is going to be probably fine for today, tomorrow, the first five years. But if you plan on holding it past five years, we, we don't really know what the next five years is going to hold as far as desirability, population, crime, local economy. So business businesses are moving in and the city is fixing up, you know, those vacant areas, the targets, the old, I mean, the old Kmarts are finally getting restored with new businesses and things. So that's a really good sign that that local economy is doing well and which will lead to population growth. hundred percent. All right. Give us one more to wrap it up. Okay. So my last one is landlord friendly. Hmm. So if you were to start a business and you had the whole country to choose from, why would you start in a state that already hates you? <laughs> you know? already, already hates you. When squatters have rights or when there's rent control and there's just, just too much red tape, why do that to yourself? Unless, again, you have something to something else like a boots on the ground person, right? That would really significantly, I could maybe see not looking at landlord friendly. If you had a boots on the ground person or something like that, you can mitigate some of those potential losses and kind of choose your own tenants and buy in better neighborhoods and all that. 
But landlord friendly is important. If you have no boots on the ground, no connections anywhere, and you're like starting from a blank slate, just choose a red state. That wipes out most of the states and you're going to have already lower property taxes. It's going to be more business friendly. You're going to have a higher chance of population growth and businesses moving there. It's going to be better for you in the long run. You're not going to have as much red tape as far as, you know, like I said, the, um, you know, rent control and things like that, that make, you know, landlording not, not so fun. Yeah. My final one is, I think one of the kind of, um, key things to, to key out-of-state investing is you've got to get involved in a network or build relationships with successful investors on the ground. Because every market across the country has some and likely dozens, if not more, successful investors. So if you can find a way to tap in, be of service, of value to them, and kind of ride the coattails, double-check things, figure out who to and who not to work with. Um, and again, be an asset to them. Don't just be a taker. Uh, but be a giver as well. Um, I think I think that's a way to shortcut and de-risk the situation. Now you can go to YouTube and type in, "Hey, you know, investor Huntsville or Bigger Pockets," or there's lots of places you can look for people talking about those markets. I would go in there, start commenting on their you know posts, and start you know being of service to them. So I think that's a, an often overlooked step. It is. And to piggyback on that, I would say if you're looking out of state, you can't go to local meetings. Where are you going to meet these people? Okay. Since the pandemic, an amazing thing has happened and it's called virtual meetings. So now a lot of those big investor groups that you can find at nationalria.org, look for a local chapter near you. Many of those big chapters also um, do their their monthly meetings over Zoom too. You can go in person or a Zoom. They do that in Memphis. And uh, there's investors all over the country that invest in Memphis and they come virtual to the meetings and you get access to the network of investors, to all the um, the sponsors and supporters, You know, which are gonna be all your team members you need, your contractors, your insurance agents, your real estate agents, your investor-friendly ones. Everybody goes to those meetings, not just investors. Anyone in that team in that circle of investing goes to those meetings. And if you're out of state, you can now join most of those um, chapters and you can get to the meetings on Zoom and meet people in real life. Absolutely, I love that. You're doing a lot of great stuff, Casey. Where can people find you and follow you? Well, thank you, Michael. You can find me on Instagram every single day at Brick by Brick Wealth, as well as YouTube at Brick by Brick Wealth um, and all other social media platforms. For the yep, most part. You're doing amazing stuff, Casey. Give her a follow, tell her hi from one rental at a time. Let her know her time here is worth it. Thanks, Casey.